Nick and Nick in our latest poll. People feel the country's going in the wrong direction. New Zealand has greater cause for optimism than most. But a savage response around New Zealand. Appalling. Terrible government. She's done her dash. One News Inside Parliament. Welcome to One News Inside Parliament. It's a regular catch-up about the political stories that we cover on One News. I'm Jessica Much Mackay. And I'm Benedict Collins. And a lot's been going on this week. Let's get into our pits and our peaks. Do you want to kick us off, Benedict? I think my peak for the week would be seeing that fascinating footage of the leader of the opposition, Christopher Luxon, being in the boxing ring uh, last week out at the Nainai Boxing Club uh, and going, you know, half around with the um, boxing trainer out there fantastic picks and you know really good fun and good on good on him for being uh, game enough to to get in the ring and I would just like to note for a little bit of an inside word that it only took mild encouragement on my part to get him into the ring with a suit on and with boxing gloves. But he played ball and was there for it. So I, it I was, was, yeah, I was a little bit worried at the start because um, I had heard that it was like a seven-year-old, um, a seven-year-old's boxing training um, uh, <laughs> event going on out there, and I was worried that Luxon had got in the ring and you know taken on a, a seven-year-old. I think they were girls too. Yeah, might not have worked so well, but yeah, anyway. No. No, luckily it was a very experienced boxing boxer, coach yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, who went very easy on him. So and who was wearing red out. as well. Yeah, and I'm our producer light. actually said that she was quite impressed with um, Christopher Luxon's form. So I think extra points for him for actually getting in there and giving us some beautiful pictures. Um, I think one of the interesting things that I noted this week was we had Gaurav Sharma, the newly independent MP, having his first question in the debating chamber. And I think there were high hopes and perhaps didn't quite hit the mark, but oh, how the tables have turned with him getting a question. I think it works out to be only uh, one a year. He doesn't get very many in the scheme of things, but interesting for him to get get a run on the board, so to speak, so early on. Well, one of the questions he asked that um, was to the Prime Minister that I thought was kind of interesting um, was why does the prime minister have you know um, personal uh, security protection like every prime minister in the world does? You know why does why does she get afforded um, diplomatic protection while um, you know shopkeepers around the country aren't being protected from you know ram raids that seem to be you know that do seem to be exploding in number around the country? Um, and I think the prime minister said you know security deta- um, arrangements are taken care of by the police, not not herself. But yeah, I did I don't think that was kind of an interesting uh, question to to fire at her. Yeah, and I guess he now has the freedom to ask questions that he probably was never allowed to as a backbench Labour MP. The other thing that I think is really interesting this week is the lack of votes for local body elections and just the staggeringly low numbers of voter turnout. And I think we've we've seen that people have had a long weekend and they've had a, a, a bit more uh, time to breathe perhaps, and that's really had an impact on people turning up to vote. And... I got my forms in the mail, but lots of people didn't. And it's really important. It affects a lot of people's daily lives. And it's shocking that people aren't getting out to vote. Well, um, some sort of hot breaking news here. About an hour ago, and we're going to follow this up on One News tonight, uh, the local government minister, Nanaya Mahuta, told um, me outside uh, a select committee room that she is gravely concerned with the number of New Zealanders that have not received their local government voting papers yet in the mail. Uh, she told me that includes herself, um, and she's wow. heard of yeah, and she's heard of huge numbers of um, local government voting papers still sitting in post offices, not having been um, distributed yet. And votes have to be posted today's Thursday. They have to be 
posted back by next Tuesday, they think, for them to actually for them to count. Uh, so that's a, a story we're going to be working on throughout the day. Um, a pit for me this week uh, was this ongoing use of the sanction called the warrant to arrest sanction. Now, Jacinda Ardern in opposition said this sanction just makes um, uh, beneficiaries out to be criminals. How it works basically is if you have a warrant issued for your arrest in the courts, that then MSD, if you're a beneficiary, they'll cut your benefit. They'll cut it entirely. If you're single, they'll cut it in half if you've got kids. Now, Jacinda Ardern, totally opposed, voted against it, been in government now for five years, hasn't got rid of it. Carmel Cipollone says um, she's really uncomfortable with the um, welfare system used, being used as a tool for the justice system, but and has said previously she'd like to get rid of it immediately. Now she says she's paused, she's just too busy, she can't get the work done, they can't get rid of the sanction. Um, now that has appalled the Green Party. You know, uh, Ricardo Menendez March has really been chasing this um, story for quite a while now, and the figures actually show while Labor's opposed to it, they are using it three times more than national evidence. Thousands and thousands of people they're hitting every year. And now Louise Upston, she, you know, she, from the National Party, National Social Development spokesperson, she says, "Hey, this is a great sanction. It forces pe- beneficiaries who are on the run from police, who are breaking the law, who are criminals, to front up to the justice system. They should justice system. They shouldn't be getting um, paid a benefit if they, you know, if they're dangerous criminals on the run." Kind of undermining that argument a little bit is the facts, and they show that about one percent of all these people who are getting sanctioned actually pose a threat to the public. The vast uh, the vast main reason that people have this sanction applied is because they have an outstanding traffic infringement or parking ticket, right? So you're basically cutting the benefits of people because they can't afford to pay their traffic fines or their parking tickets. Um, so, yeah, but anyway, Carmel Cepoloni says this work is paused, not going to happen this term. Um, yeah, so interesting there that, you know, the government continues to um, increase this use of the sanction they supposedly don't like. Really interesting because I think politically... Um, that's an easy sell for people. When you break it down and say you're sanctioning people because they don't pay their parking tickets, that when that's when it starts to get a the, less palatable for people. And they can't afford to Absolutely. pay the parking tickets. Yeah. Right? It does make me wonder whether um, you know, they should uh, give Carmel, and, uh, Carmel Cipollone an associate minister or something to help carry out the work if she's too snowed under. Anyway, yeah. moving right along, let's have a chat about our poll. Yes, Big news. Yes, very exciting. So I'll just um, give people a, a recap of the numbers for anyone who wasn't across them this week. National 37, Labour 34, Act 9, Greens 9, New Zealand First 3, Te Pāti Māori 2, uh, and then a whole lot of other parties sitting on mm. one. So I guess the big ones are... The big takeaway from that is there's not a whole lot of movement in that party vote. And the reason that's interesting is because we had such a jolt in the poll last time. And I think a few people, a few commentators said, oh, look, that's that's kind of a one-off. Um, what's interesting is those numbers have stuck and solidified and people are making up their mind about who they're going to vote for. A couple of things that I want to point out that I think are an important context for the conversation we're about to have, 13% of people have said they don't know who they're going to vote for or refuse to say who they're going to vote. That's a big chunk of people in the mix. So though that those people are the ones that are going to win or lose a government the election. You've basically got the two big main parties with their sidekick, whether that's the the Greens or Act Party, and may or may not need other support on top of that. So really fascinating to break down those numbers. What are your thoughts? I thought it was an interesting polling period as well, right? Because 
With the Queen's death, we had the Prime Minister flying over to the UK, and then we had her going over to the United Nations. Basically, throughout the polling period, it was the only time National really got in the news was with Sam Muffindale, um, you know, uh, bringing him back and unsuspending him, or whatever the correct term is there. You know, th- th- they were pretty much out of the news cycle the whole time. So I think they would have been pretty chuffed that they have managed to stay up that high when so much focus was not just on the Prime Minister, but on, on, on the Queen, you know, and, and then with the Prime Minister's trip up there and the Prime Minister on the world stage, while they, you know, were, were virtually not in the news cycle um, during a lot of this polling period. So I, th- I think they'd be, you know, pretty happy with that. I think that the Prime Minister, this polling period, um, which happens, uh, the Prime Minister was on the world stage playing to her strengths Mm. and the fact that Labour is still sitting on 34 is really interesting. The other thing that was fascinating in all of this is the approval ratings and the preferred Prime Minister numbers. Um, And we also asked if people had to choose between both if you only could choose between Jacinda Ardern and Christopher Luxon as preferred Prime Minister, who would you choose? So there was a lot of data for us to analyse and for us to crunch. And I think the main things you can take away from that is that people are getting to know Christopher Luxon more and forming an opinion on him, but it's not always a good opinion. And so he'll need to do some work on that. I think we've also seen that uh, the Prime Minister has been through some some reasonably turbulent times and 15 is a very low number for her. But I what guess was she at her highest? 76%. approval. Yeah. Yeah. So she was in the lofty mid-70s. That was two years ago that she got those numbers. Then since then she went down to um, early 50s, early 50s, and then dropped to 15 in the last one in 15 on this one. That's all from memory. I just want um, voters, that this is how much I love polls. Um, I didn't read those stats. I just remembered them. But I just think that those um, those numbers are re- I just think are fascinating with how people are, are feeling about our leaders at the moment. I guess on the flip side, Christopher Luxon being the same as the Prime Minister, not too shabby yeah. either. And with Joe Biden on minus 12, um, perhaps 15 isn't isn't anything to cry about. And Anthony Albanese on 22, yeah? 26. 26. But he, um, yeah. I mean, he's pretty new, so. It is interesting doing the approval ratings because you can kind of compare it more around um, around the world, right? Yeah, and I think that was your idea where a few years ago with some of the study you were doing around polls and overseas. And I think it, it's good for us because we can compare overseas examples. It's sort of the universal standard. And hmm. preferred Prime Minister... Numbers are good because we say to someone cold, who would you like to see as Prime Minister? We don't prompt them in the questions and then they can answer, um, you know, whoever whoever yeah. they choose. So yeah. it is perhaps more, slightly more organic. It, it, it is slightly more organic. But one thing we can notice over the trends with our polls with preferred Prime Minister, particularly outside of you know, election year, is large numbers of people can't name a politician they would like to be Prime Minister or won't. Um, so I think you're getting you know, around 28 to a third of people regularly can't answer that question. One of the questions we asked this time was, um, you know, if you just had to choose between Jacinda Ardern and Christopher Luxon as your Prime Minister, and let's be realistic, those are 
those are really the only two options. You know, Chloe and Winston uh, probably aren't going to be prime minister next time. I guess time. it depends what DL David Seymour or um, James Shaw and Madame Davidson and that, as that's co right. indeed. prime ministers want to do. In, indeed. Um, and yeah, and Jacinda Ardern, 47% of the public preferred her um, as prime minister. And Christopher Luxon, uh, you know, on 41, and that was a little bit of a drop. I think, on, on, on last time for him. Yeah, it was. He got 45 when we asked that question last time, so a, a little bit yeah. dropping away. The other big topic that is pretty poignant... Oh, do you have some more I, to add? I do. I think, okay. I think one thing um, that is really interesting about this poll and is part of our coverage, one of the ideas I sort of had was... Whether or not, like Christopher Luxon keeps saying, hey, you know, these polls, they show that, um, you know, the country's heading in the wrong direction, that there's a mood for change. And talking to some MPs, even government MPs, they get feedback that, you know, in their electorates that, you know, the public do want change. There is that mood for change. So I thought, hey, why don't we pop out around the country and just foxy people, see how they're feeling about how the government is going, um, you know, shoot the breeze with the with the public. And so on on Friday, I went over to Wairarapa, went to Martinborough, Carterton. Yesterday, we dispatched reporters right around the country. We had reporters in, in Walkworth and Hawke's Bay. Um, we had reporters in Christchurch and Dunedin. Um, there's one I'm missing. There's another one I'm missing somewhere, I think. Anyway, we, we tried to get right out across the country. And the voxies we got were overwhelmingly savage against the government. Um, people just putting in the boot on multiple, multiple fronts. They had people, um, we had a you know, farmer going after them on three waters. We had multiple people saying, you know, this government's just spending so much money um, on different things and they're not getting results. In fact, we're going backwards. Um, people, you know, just saying this is a terrible, terrible government. Lots of people still really feeling totally controlled over the, the pandemic response. Hey, and there was some pushback. Some people said no. You know, I, I think the first person we spoke to in, in Marlborough had said, you know, I think the government did a great job during the pandemic and they kept everyone safe, you know, really happy with how they're going. But to me, the, the, a huge number, the, the majority of people were really, really savage um, in their in their vox pops against the government, and, and the last time I can remember people being that sort of hostile and putting the boot in um, as willingly as that was when the National Party was imploding um, around you know the sort of Todd Muller and early Judith Collins era, um, where their MPs were disgracing themselves and getting sacked by the day or resigning in disgrace, um, you know, or, or perhaps you know going out and asking people what they thought of Simon Bridges. Um, and people were just savage in their voxies as well. So I thought that was kind of fascinating, even though you know our poll shows it's neck and neck between the left and right, just how many people are out there. And, you know, obviously no, our, our polling size was far, far smaller than our um, – well, our, our sample size is far, far smaller than what we do in our big scientific poll, um, you know, in the Kentar public poll. But, yeah, I, I just thought that that vibe there out among the public. Really uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah, it was fascinating. Yeah, well, another fascinating set of numbers, um, just so that you guys have some more numbers to uh, consume, is we asked people about whether it's time for New Zealand to become a republic. And obviously the timing of this is around uh, the Queen's death. And we had a funeral last week and the New Zealand memorial um, earlier this week as well. And so this poll was taken from the 17th to 21st, so in the middle of when the funeral was. So I think 
my reading of that is that you're never going to get a higher result for um, keeping the monarchy than during this time. And I think what will be really interesting is perhaps over the next maybe we ask again in three months and again in six months and see how those numbers are tracking because um, is it time to become a republic? 27% say yes, 50% say no, and the rest don't know or refuse to answer. And remember we polled on this in November, I think, last year, and the, and it, the support for the republic back then was about a third. Correct. And, yeah, so we have seen it drop away, but I think naturally, yeah, asking the question during that time of mourning where there's so much focus, you know, it's wall-to-wall coverage, of, of of the Queen um, and, the, and the royal family, yeah, I, I think that's to be expected. I also think it's to be expected that, you know, there's not that overwhelming support when, you know, no campaigns have really been properly launched or um, there hasn't been, you know, I think the politicians are right when they say there's not huge public demand for it. No, I do think, though, that it will be slightly more considered over that time because when everyone's, you know, sitting down and, watching TV with the coverage or um, looking at uh, clips of the funeral, you do contemplate there will be conversations happening on couches around New Zealand about, hey, what do we think about um, having the monarchy? Mm. It, you know, does it feel like mine or does it feel foreign? Does it work for me? Does it, does it not? So I do feel like that conversation will be happening more with people and it will be maybe more considered than it would have been just a cold call from last year. And I wonder if things will change, you know, if we – if we poll on it again in the future, you know, once people are more familiar with King Charles as well and whether they you know, whether they like him or not. Whether yeah. Things At the moment, the overwhelming impression there. is about um, him getting frustrated with pens. So I think maybe we give him a little bit of time to um, ease into his role with that. Yeah, and I think, you know, I do think it is interesting watching um, Jacinda Ardern, especially on this, who describes herself as a Republican, who thinks New Zealand will become a republic in her lifetime. Um but won't do anything about it herself. You know, isn't interested in moving moving the issue along. Um, says you know she doesn't really pick up any public appetite to move towards a monarchy. Um, yeah, and, and I think that is kind of interesting that you have a leader who isn't really doesn't really want to spend any of her political capital uh, moving towards you know or holding a referendum or holding a public debate on whether we should become a republic. You know, um, even though that's what she believes. You know, just clearly not interested in. Um, hemorrhaging any votes over a um, uh, an issue she's not um, you know willing to really to stick her neck out on. You compare that to John Key. I don't think there was any incredible appetite to um, change the flag either. But we still had that debate, and it was a pretty ferocious debate at, at, at times. You know, um, sort of people had pretty strong views An one way or another. Expensive one as well. Yeah, twenty seven million bucks. I think we still uh, remember the price years yes, and years yes. ago. Yeah, and it's still every every morning I wake up and I'm gutted we don't have laser kiwi as our flag. Yeah, well, I mean, you can hang laser kiwi flag at your house. There's no one to stop you from doing that. I will just go under the although, New Zealand flag that has been there for a very long although time. I was very lucky to go to the um, Commonwealth Championships in India with the New Zealand table tennis team. And some poor Indian um, guy running the tournament had obviously Googled New Zealand flag and it was during the referendum period. And so we turned up in India um, and the entire city was covered in the uh, the Kyle Lockwood uh, flag everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Um, And it got got back to the New Zealand uh, uh, media and people had a field day with it for a a day or so. It's like when you travel overseas um, and they have like the big world map and they just leave New Zealand off the map completely and there's just Australia and that's the bottom and you're like... And yeah. I, we did a 
thing of pointing to all of the world maps that didn't have New Zealand on it. It's a good reminder mm. for mm. us of mm. where we fit it, in the it, world. It caused a little diplomatic incident too because I think wow. about 24 hours later or something they'd taken down all the Kyle Lockwood flags <laughs> around the city and they were everywhere. Uh, but then they yeah, managed to get some new ones printed and they got the, they got the um, correct New Zealand flag up. That's, That's awesome. right. And they blamed poor... Um, uh, oh, who's the comedian? Um, Guy Williams. They um, blamed Guy Williams and said it was some prank. Um, people suspected it was him, so he copped all this flack for it when it had nothing whatsoever to do with him. Wow. Mm. Yeah, anyway, interesting yeah. times. Well, if you wanted your interest morsels, um, One News Inside Parliament is the place to get it. And on that note, we'll leave it there. This was One News Inside Parliament, our regular catch-up about the political stories that we've been covering on One News. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook and available each week on One News Online. And check us out on your favourite podcasting apps. See ya. See ya.